when you divide your workers, it's good to have them, um, hello? Hi. Are you ready for the podcast? Not quite. What are you doing? Responding to the market in an agile manner. It sounds as if you were writing on a whiteboard. Yes, I am, but this is only internal stuff, just planning the upcoming episodes. Drawing rectangles, connecting them with lines. Okay, but I'm internal to this organization. Don't you think I need to know? To expand our ability to do interviews, I'm thinking of moving Emily from production into guest recruit. When did we get an employee named Emily? Oh, she used to be the intern. Ha! The intern is Anna. You're setting me up for our episode on the division of labor. Maybe I am. And two can play that game. I'm not reorganizing our corporate structure. I'm Tamara Carlton. That's David Allen Greer. This is How We Manage Stuff. And today's episode is What You See, What You Get. Remember the question that ended the last episode? Sure. Can good products come from bad production processes? Or the other way around? Right. Or can bad products come from good production processes? Well, we're going to do a better job of answering that question today. And you were pretending to draw organizational diagrams in order to answer that question? Right. Or pretending to draw software diagrams to answer the question. What do you mean by that? You know the diagrams that people draw on a whiteboard when they are just about to start work on a new software system? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boxes and lines, the database goes here, the APIs are there, the transaction data enters around the corner. Often, those diagrams are almost exactly the same thing as their personnel organization chart. What do you mean? You're the boss. You're organizing a new project. You're starting to shape the new team. If you have a diagram of the software architecture, you start to assign people to the different boxes. Priya gets the database, and she can be helped by Egon. Roger will handle all the appies because he's good at them, but he can also help Emily with Anna, the user interface. our intern is Anna. Oh, this is a different fictional employee, a mythical UX expert named Emily. Okay, okay, I got it. So you are arguing that the division of labor for a software project follows the divisions created by the software architecture. Sort of. It's like the old approach to architecture, form follows function. The shape and organization, and even decoration of a building need to follow the function that the building is supposed to have. It is the pervading law of all things organic and inorganic, of all things physical and metaphysical, of all things human and all things superhuman, of all true manifestations of the head, of the heart, of the soul, that the life is recognizable in its expression, that form ever follows function. This is the law. And where did that come from? Lewis Henry Sullivan, the great architect of Chicago, Frank Lloyd Wright's first employer, and, I must say, not the best of poets. And don't tell me you just remembered all that. Ah, Wikipedia is a wonderful thing. Wikipedia again. Okay, here's the problem. We spent five episodes describing the nature of Agile methods, and we've largely been describing constraints. Agile teams have to be fast. They have to respond to the market. They have to create minimalist designs. 
And now they have to have a division of labor that follows the division of the software. All that is true. Then what lessons can we offer? It sounds as if you define any methods to have any substance at all, then you will find that they are more trouble than they are worth. And that gets us to the key point of this series. Which is? Agile methods make deep demands on us. They are far more than merely following the market or getting up and telling yourself that you will be agile today. We better also be saying that they have some substantial benefits. Which we are. Because otherwise, we are saying that there is no reason to employ them. All form and no function, if you will. Sure. Perhaps it's easiest to understand the basic lesson if you think about software development. Or project management. Or project management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a dynamic thing. Always changing? Yes. And also is never really starting and never really finishing. One project merges with another. Exactly. You don't have the team that you would like because you have to wait for one person to complete work on a different task. So how do you assemble your team? The Agile principles suggest a solution. Self-organizing teams? Principle 11. The best architectures, requirements, and designs emerge from self-organizing teams. You dismissed that idea quickly in an earlier episode. Well, yes. But it needs a little more examination than we gave it. You know that the idea of self-organizing teams is not supported by standard HR practice. Well, right, because the tendency of people when they organize teams is to reinforce their strengths and weaknesses. You, as a worker, tend to join teams with people who have similar qualities to yourself. And so good HR practice says that a manager should do a formal skills assessment and then assemble teams that have the right mix of skills. And that's sound practice as well. And then you must be contradicting yourself. <laughs> well, that would be nothing new for me. But in this case, I suggest that any contradiction points to a misreading of Agile Principle 11. Okay. Does the contradiction come from the fact that architectures, requirements, and designs are not all of a software system? Well, sure. But we see the real picture when we look at the problem in its full context. We're trying to create a good process that will ultimately make a good product, a dynamic process. One in which workers will come and go. They will start with a limited idea of what they're doing and learn as they progress. And the customers will learn as well. That's important. So this principle is trying to solve the retained knowledge problem? And the motivation problem. Okay. Also. Here's the framework. We have a problem that is given to us, though we may not understand it perfectly. And the customer may not understand it You either. said that. It's important. And so you've got to provide a framework for your team to learn about the project and do the work simultaneously. So you encourage them to band together and learn what needs to be done. Think about how a construction crew works. This is going to be a stretch. I'm using this metaphor because I've been watching this paving crew operate in front of my house all summer. They may be closer to an agile team than you might think. You'll have to make your case. They came to our neighborhood with plans, with materials, and a schedule. But they not only had to build something, they had to fit it into our local environment so that it would work successfully. Learn the environment and fit their work in. I see it coming. They have a checklist that describes what they have to do, and they have to learn about the local environment in order to complete their tasks. Yes, the process is not really that different in software. But, but you have a choice about how you structure the checklist, if you will. The plan for the software, right. You can either plan it in detail, or you can sketch the goals and assemble teams to do the work. Work that involves learning how to do the work. Self-organizing teams. 
Self-organizing teams, right. Of we course. try to engage your workers by pushing decisions as far down into the organization as is feasible. One of the key lessons of Agile is that certain kinds of project developments are based on large, dynamic flows of information. Such as those between developer and client. Yes, and within development teams as well. And that information tends to be ephemeral. It's relevant only for a short period of time and needs to be processed quickly. You have to organize the right kind of team to process that information because teams not only reflect the thing they produce, they also reflect the ideas that they learn. But doesn't that lead to other problems? Yes. Like the alignment problem. Keeping the team focused on the goals? Yes. And the motivation problem? Keeping the teams working hard, of course. And the history problem? Interesting you identified that one. We've already identified one role of history in making Agile products. And we will soon have to consider another. But that's not the lesson for today. Remember the boxes from the start of the podcast? How could I forget? Will I ever get to see them? Of course not. They're imaginary. The key item is that they are the starting point. And not the ending. And that the method of Agile, the process that creates good products, involves constant learning and adjusting. Learning and adjusting by both you and your team. And your customer. And the lessons you learn may require you to adjust the boxes that describe your system and the boxes that describe your team. Did you see that you have a typo on one of the boxes in your diagram? How did you? I've worked with you long enough to learn that you are not the best at checking spelling. Of course. So for this episode, this is Tamara Carlton. And this is David Allen Greer. And Anna the intern. For how we manage stuff. Take care. Do we really have an intern named Anna? Where does she fit in the organization chart? You need to pay a little more attention. We're a dynamic organization.